Girlfriends, episode number 191, How to Manage Social Media for Teens. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about managing social media for teenagers. Big topic, important topic. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you can be here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. You know I'm always glad when we can connect here in this way on the podcast. This week, I am recording from Easton, Massachusetts, which is my place of work. You all know I live in New Hampshire, but I'm full-time employed with Holy Cross Family Ministries, the headquarters of which is based in Easton, Mass., which is just south of Boston. Um, I've been here for a couple of days now. I'm recording at the end of a long and wonderful day that we had here, which was a day where we were blessing and dedicating the newly opened to the public Museum of Family Prayer, which is based here at Holy Cross Family Ministries. We had a wonderful Mass with the bishop this morning and um, a nice prayer ceremony and a blessing and a dedication of the museum. Venerable Patrick Payton, who is founder of Holy Cross Family Ministries, which owns now CatholicMom.com, which is where I work full-time, is buried here in Easton, Massachusetts. He's a Holy Cross priest from the Congregation of Holy Cross. So today we were all gathered for this wonderful opening for the Museum of Family Prayer, which is a museum dedicated to prayer. It's the first of its kind ever, in this country anyway. And Um, It's really a unique experience to go in and just learn about the history of prayer. Of course, it's Catholic. It's it's based on the the mission founded by Venerable Patrick Payton, so has a very uh, Catholic slant to everything that's shared there, a focus on the rosary, a history of Venerable Patrick Payton, his life and times, his history becoming a priest, the miraculous story of his healing from tuberculosis, for which he credited Mary and devoted his life to Mary as a result of that. All beautiful and inspiring stuff, but it's also a very interactive museum. There's things that you can listen to and touch and videos, just beautiful video displays, um, prayers that you can listen to in multiple languages, prayers. There's one particular display that I really like, and it has readings from the Psalms, and you can just push a button and hear it in English, in Spanish, in Hebrew. Um, I find that it's a really inspiring way to Look at the history of prayer, but especially with a focus on the rosary and especially um, with a focus on scripture um, from a Catholic perspective. So if you're ever in the area of Easton, Massachusetts, I want to personally invite you to come and visit the Museum of Family Prayer, which is now newly opened. As of today, it's been blessed and dedicated and it's open to the public. So you can get more information about that at museumoffamilyprayer.org. If you're interested in making a visit, making a pilgrimage to the burial site of Venerable Father Patrick Payton, the Rosary Priest. Anyone who's not familiar with the name Father Patrick Payton, you are probably familiar with a phrase that he made famous, which is the family that prays together 
stays together. He's known as the Rosary Priest, um, and he's really the patron saint in the making of family prayer and of the Rosary. So check out museumoffamilyprayer.org if you want more information about coming for a visit. I do recommend it. And so today's topic is going to be talking about teens and social media. Now, this is a topic that I hear from parents about pretty much all the time because we're terrified. We are terrified, and I get it because I, too, have been terrified, still am terrified sometimes. Um, It's a scary world that we're trying to raise our kids in. So this topic actually um, came from recently on the Girlfriends Facebook group. I asked the members there for some ideas, for some upcoming topics, for some shows, what you might be interested in hearing about. And one of the moms suggested managing social media with teens, which is such a huge topic. And it immediately connected with me because I thought that's something I hear from moms about all the time. Moms and dads, um, I hear from them all the time that we're worried about what kind of media our kids are being exposed to, what kinds of apps they might have on their phones. We're worried about when they should have phones, what kind of rules we should be making, what kind of control we should expect to have about that. We're worried about all of these things. And it's good that we're worried about it because you know what? It's actually a really important topic. But I want to encourage you in this conversation today to not be afraid because it's too easy to be afraid. It's too easy to uh, fall prey to that temptation to perhaps bury our heads in the sand with regard to our kids and social media. I understand the temptation because I have felt it myself. Like we feel almost helpless in the face of a culture that seems hellbent on getting our kids and hurting them, hurting them physically and spiritually and emotionally through what kind of content they're exposed to online, um, what what kids are, are viewing on their phones, what kinds of apps they're using and what they're using them for. Um, it's a scary thing. And it can feel like we have so little control over it and that the world has so much control. But I want to encourage you because at the end of the day, what we need to remember is that God is bigger than all of that, right? Jesus has triumphed over sin and death forever. And these evil forces that we're worried about, getting control of our kids, getting to our kids' souls, getting to their hearts, forming them in bad ways, that's evil. That's the face of evil. And that's what we're afraid of. Normal to be afraid of it, normal to be afraid and actually very healthy, to be aware of the power that it might have in our kids' lives, but not okay to throw our hands up and think there's not anything we can do and not even try to manage it. So let's talk about how we can be encouraged, how we can remind each other of our roles as parents, our responsibilities as parents, and um, encourage each other to take up that responsibility and you know, encourage one another in the, the very real challenge that we have as Catholic parents in a culture that's very much opposed to many of our values. Um, let's encourage each other and let's build each other up and let's support each other and inside of those sometimes really challenging really difficult decisions that we have to make as parents so on this topic the first thing that i think we should talk about and this does come up sometimes i hear from parents who want to know just very basically how do you how do you decide when your kids should have phones right how do you decide that? They want me to tell them when their kid should have a phone. I can't tell you that. I will tell you that it's probably later than you think. <laughs> you can probably get away with delaying giving your kid a smartphone. And um, if you can, I really recommend doing that uh, because they gain 
maturity every year. And every year that you can protect them from the negative influences that a smartphone inevitably, inevitably becomes, the better. So I want to encourage you to, first of all, know that just because every other kid in your kid's classroom has a smartphone, I don't care what grade they're in, does not mean that your kid has to have a smartphone. I know. This isn't a popular thing. And many of us, I think, feel pressured because, well, it's a safety thing sometimes. I know I felt this for sure. My kid's going to be hanging around after baseball practice, and I'm not sure I'm going to be there at precisely the time he needs to get picked up, or I don't know what time he needs to get picked up, so I do want him to be able to call me, right? I get it. And yep, he's 10 years old, or he's 11, or he's 14, and regardless of his age, you don't want him to not be in connection with you. And I am telling you, as a parent, I have so many times been so grateful for the fact that my kids have phones, for the fact that my my kids, when they do have phones, that they're able to communicate with me, that we're able to text about things. They're able to tell me even just basic communication things about, you know, where they're going to be, when I should pick them up, you know, what's going on, giving me updates on their day. I'm so grateful for that. But recognize the fact that uh, giving your kid a smartphone is a powerful tool for for the good or for the bad. And recognizing that I think is really important. So um, you want to know what we do? We give our kids smartphones as late as we possibly can. <laughs> and for many of them, that's meant around 16 years old. And generally, they need to be able to pay for it themselves. And I say this knowing full well that if ever, if ever my kids are listening, they'll be like, yeah, I, I paid for a few months and then I stopped paying and she didn't make me pay. Yep, that happened. Um, but, you know, that's part of it, though, them having a job and being responsible on that level where it's a, it's understood as a privilege, right? And it comes with responsibility, having a smartphone. Because you know what? This is a huge thing. It's a huge thing to be handing to your child. You're giving them potentially the entire internet for them to carry around in their pockets. And I know, I get it. Our, our kids are very smart and they're going to find ways to work around whatever kind of rules we make, but this is a very basic one. And if you don't feel like your child is prepared to handle the responsibility that is the internet in his or her pocket, then they're not prepared to handle the responsibility of having their own smartphone. And you know what? There are options. There are things that you can do. My daughter, Gabby, right now, who's 16, has a used iPhone with no data plan. So what that means is she needs to have Wi-Fi to be able to communicate. Um, do you know what? In today's day and age, that's actually not a very limiting thing. There is Wi-Fi at the school that is filtered. So she can text me from the school. There's Wi-Fi at home. She's able to use her phone in the ways that her friends are using their phones when she's at home and she's on our Wi-Fi. So it is limiting in a way, but also it's giving her a, a little bit of freedom and um, ability to communicate. Um, there's also the option that I've used and is still in place with um, my 17-year-old who has an iPhone that is on our data plan, and um, but just doesn't have a browser on it. I have parental control set on his phone, and there's no browser on it. Do I know full well that this child can have access to the internet in a thousand ways? Yep. Unfiltered internet? Yep. I know that. But I don't want him to have access in such an easy way in his pocket. 
on a phone in his pocket. So that's been the way that we've handled that. Um, he's pretty much on the brink of, you know, he's almost 18 and he's on the brink of being allowed to have, of course, uh, his own phone with his own data plan and figuring all of that out on his own. But what I think is important is whatever you decide the rules are for your kids is to know that you don't have to do what everybody else is doing with regard to technology in your kids' pockets, with regard to what kind of phone they're going to have. And my kids have tried every trick in the book to try to convince us that they are, you know, ostracized and mortified by the fact that they don't have a phone and all their friends have phones. I'm just not buying it. (laughs) Yeah, I understand you're uncomfortable about it. I understand socially, perhaps it feels a little bit weird. And and I do for sure sympathize and make sure that they do have access to ways to communicate with their friends. I mean, my two youngest now are uh, 13 and 14. Can you believe Danny just turned 13? My baby is 13. I have five teenagers again. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, but they don't have phones. Many of their friends have phones. Um, they they communicate with their friends outside of school hours um, through texting through their uh, PlayStation. I don't know how that works. I know that they're able to communicate in that way. They also talk on their headsets um, when they play their video games, which, you know, they have limited access to, but that's normal. Um, but, you know, there are creative ways, especially in today's world, that kids can have access to communications with other kids. And I am sympathetic to, and I understand that they want to be communicating with their friends in the ways that everyone is communicating. You know, for example, a couple of years ago, my daughter, who did not have access to um, a texting app at the time, one of my older daughters, um, inside of her uh, freshman or sophomore year of high school, there was a group of student council members that she was part of, and they were all communicating through texting And um, that was part of how they were making their plans and talking about things. And she was being continually left out because she wasn't part of that. So we did find a way, an appropriate way for her to have access to texting for that. But find a creative way. Don't think you have to give your kids absolutely everything in order for them to be able to communicate and feel like they can fit in with their friends. I'm completely sympathetic to the fact that it is important on some level. I'm not one of those moms that's like, and (laughs) I'm not dissing these moms, but I'm not one of those moms who's like, too bad. You know, you have to stand out. You have to be the kid who always stands out. I'm, I know I'm very aware that my kids stand out in a lot of ways. I know it's weird for a kid their age to not have a phone or not have a phone with data and all of that. Um, but for sure, um, I'm firm in the fact that this is our responsibility as their parents to kind of navigate this with them. But that said, I know some other families who have gone in um, even more of an extreme direction and not allowed smartphones at all for their teenagers while they're at home. That's really not a choice that I would make and not one I would recommend to anybody. Honestly, if you, I mean, I'm not judging anybody's particular choices with regard to their kids and the ways they're raising their families. But for me, I, I don't think that that would work for me and my kids because what I'm concerned about is that while we have our kids at home up until the age of 18, and this applies to all of the social media that we're going to be talking about in this show, while they're with us, that's a privilege and a responsibility and an opportunity for us to be teaching them how to use these powerful tools, whether it be a smartphone or a particular app or a social media, um, you know, whatever it is, this is our opportunity to be teaching them how to handle these tools to be teaching them appropriate things. And if they're going to mess it up, 
I want them to mess it up on my watch. I want them to mess it up while they're here under my roof and I can become aware of it and help them through that and teach them through that. Do you know what I'm saying? That I don't think that the answer is to completely ban it all. I think the answer is in appropriate ways, and this can vary child by child, in an appropriate way, introducing them to some of these technologies and allowing them access to them under your watch, and that they recognize that it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. And those two things come together that they need to earn and they need to show you the ways in which they're capable of handling that responsibility. And, you know, that said, after our kids have reached an age where they've had smartphones as teenagers, have we taken them away at times? Absolutely. When they've misused them, when they've um, done other things to demonstrate that they're not up to the responsibility that we think they should be to be able to handle such a privilege. Absolutely. We've taken it away, sometimes for great lengths of time. And you know what always occurs to me during that is, yes, I'm aware when my kid is being punished and I've taken their smartphone or whatever's going on, that they're finding other ways to communicate, probably in insanely creative ways. But I always become aware of the fact that nobody died. They lost their smartphone and nobody died. You know, you could sometimes come to the conclusion by the way we talk about these things and these devices, like our kid has to have it and um, ourselves personally have to have it. What would I do if I didn't have my smartphone for a week, right? So I, I think it's really actually healthy to have these periods, whether it's a period of time when your, your child's being denied the privilege of access to their smartphone, or if it's a period of time where you as a family are maybe choosing not to engage in using your devices for a while. Anyway, so I just want to encourage you to know that you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. And every kid is going to be unique in their responsibility levels. Um, but as kids become teenagers, I find it's a really helpful thing to be talking with them about the kinds of things that they want. Like they want driving privileges. They want phones. They want to be dating. They want to be allowed to go to certain parties. They want, you know, whatever level of um, privilege they're looking for, right? They want these things. But I always approach uh, my teenagers during these years and during these times inside of these negotiations from sort of an overall kind of look at their lives. And I try to have these ongoing conversations with them. Like, I know you want these things. I want you to demonstrate that you're ready for these things. And I, I want you to have good things and I want you to be happy and I want you to fit in with your friends and I want you to feel good about your life. But I want to be sure that you're able to handle the responsibility that these privileges come with. So be showing me through your engagement with your family, through your interactions with your younger brothers and sisters, through your helping out at home, through normal conversations, pleasant conversations we can have with one another. Show me how mature you are. Show me how ready you are for these responsibilities. So I, sometimes I do have exactly that conversation with my kids, but other times it's more of a general way and it's more of a general reference to these kinds of things being privileges that come with responsibilities and um, that we're looking for them to show us how grown up they are, how grown up they're becoming, because that's what they want more than anything, right? Teenagers and um, young adults and preteens are, are looking for ways to have more responsibility. They want to be grown up. They want to show you and show the world just how grown up they are. Well, start with that conversation and begin with whether or not they have access to a smartphone. I just want to encourage you that you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. One funny thing is that sometimes my kids in their anxiousness to get a smartphone will tell me 
how everybody has a smartphone and that's why they need a smartphone and they need to call me on, you know, the way home on the bus after the basketball game to let me know that they're going to be at the school in 15 minutes and it's time to pick them up. So that's why they need a smartphone. And I'm like, um, you know what? You just told me everybody has a smartphone. Borrow somebody's smartphone to call me. You know, <laughs> sorry, I'm just not going to be moved by that argument. Um, but know that you can you can make choices that other parents aren't making. I think that sometimes there's peer pressure among parents, and our kids will use that against us. They know it's a powerful thing. Um, you don't really want to be the ones who are the weirdos. You don't want to be the ones who are standing out. Um, and to some level, that's okay, and it's okay to work with your kids and find ways to make, you know, having that smartphone privilege work in in a way that's going to make sense for them in their lives right now. But sometimes it's just going to be no for right now. And we'll talk about it in a couple of months and we'll see where you are and if it makes sense then. Um, so I want to encourage you to know that you can say no to these things. You are the parent. You do have that responsibility. Okay. So start with the phone, start with the conversation on whether or not they're going to have a phone, what kind of phone, what kind of access they're going to have to it. Right. And, um, then let's talk about social media. That's what the question was about handling social media with teenagers. Now, when my first became teenagers, teenagers were still on Facebook. That's how long ago my first became teenager. So my oldest is now 24. So she was 15. So that was nine years ago that we first allowed her to come on Facebook. And she really wanted a Facebook profile. She wanted to be on Facebook. Her friends were on Facebook. She wanted it. So we had a conversation about it and we set down some rules in the first place where we were talking about, okay, you can make this account. I'm going to have access to your account. I'm going to have the login to your account. I'm not going to be reading all of your conversations with your friends, but know that if I decide to log in and see something, I can and I will, right? So I felt like that was a really important thing for her to know that this wasn't some secret private world she was stepping into, that she needed to know this was a place where she still was going to be supervised. And, um, you know, I wanted her to know that we would be monitoring what she was going to be doing on there. She handled it really well. She she was pretty good about the whole thing. Um, but I find it funny now to think back on that and how badly she wanted that Facebook page when she was 15. And now my kids who are, you know, 17, 16, 14, 13... And they have zero desire for a Facebook page. <laughs> it's just not the thing that they want anymore. The kids are not on there. Um, so things have changed a little bit. But my principles haven't changed, right? You need to make sure that your kids in an appropriate way, and this is the sort of thing, you set up these hard rules in the beginning, right? Like I did with my daughter. And I really do recommend that you do this when your child at whatever age you decide is appropriate for them to be on social media of any sort. And again, I'm going to really recommend that you delay it as long as possible, because I don't think the benefits outweigh some of the drawbacks of young people being on social media. Um, but I'm not going to tell you a particular age that's appropriate for different apps or whatever. That's your job. That's your job as a parent to figure that out and with your spouse talk about, you know, what's appropriate for each kid and um, be in charge of that. But they should know that these things aren't private, that you're going to have access to it on some degree, whatever you decide is appropriate. Are you going to have access to their phone? Are you going to have parental controls on their phone? Are you going to have access to their computer? Are you going to have access to their actual accounts on these um, different kinds of social media? Decide now. 
And, you know, so the same rules can apply to Instagram, can apply to Snapchat, can apply to TikTok and whatever the thing is that the kids are on now. Um, <laughs> I sound like such an old lady saying that. What the kids are on now. What are they on now? Some weird named app that I never heard of, I'm positive, is much more trendy than those things that I just listed. But anyway. I think it's helpful in the beginning um, when they're first learning these things for them to know I'll, I can get on there anytime and I can see what you're doing. Um, now that said, it can be a little bit of a challenge and you might need to enlist some help, whether it's with um, uh, a younger sibling of yours um, or an older child of yours who understands how these things work better than you do. Because I know that um, probably a year and a half ago, I decided okay, all my kids are on Snapchat. I guess I need to be on Snapchat. Here we go. Mom's getting on Snapchat. Well, that was <laughs> a funny. My kids thought it was hilarious. I was on there for like two days and I hated everything about it. It wasn't at all the type of thing that I felt like I could intuitively understand. I think my 40 plus brain just, it's not designed for that. Um, so that was a little bit of an interesting education for me because I've always pretty readily picked up new things. I like technology. I've always, you know, enjoyed different um, kinds of opportunities and things that you can learn with and tools you can use online and with um, smartphones. But this was not happening for me. And I so some of these newer apps, even beyond Snapchat, I haven't even attempted. So you might need to have others who help you with regard to monitoring what your kids might be doing. But, you know, besides that, uh, besides, you know, actually monitoring, because that's an exhausting thing, um, you might want to have certain apps that you just don't allow them on. And, you know, consult with somebody who knows, whether it's some young person in your life or you might do a little research online. I think recently um, a police department somewhere came out with this list of apps that they thought teenagers just shouldn't have on their phones. And, you know, I looked at it and some were uh, some that um, I know my kids have on their phones. So, um, you know, at least that's a place to start having a conversation with your kids about what apps they have, what they do, why they value them, what they do on there. But besides that, I think it's really helpful to set limits to what they're doing, like how much they're on their phone, how much they're on the Fortnite video games or how much they're on a computer, how much they're watching television, you know, just general in general screen time, you know, scientifically speaking is not really great for their young brains. So limiting that, but then limiting access to their phones, especially once you've decided to allow them to have a smartphone. I see this all the time where parents will be together and teenagers are there, different families getting together and multiple teenagers are just on their phones. And I think it's the rudest thing in the world especially in a social gathering. But I find that it's becoming more and more socially acceptable. It seems like the younger you get, the more it's like accepted and understood that people in the middle of conversations even will be pulling out their phones and just kind of scrolling through their screens. Uh, I find that incredibly rude and we don't, we don't allow that. And you can set those kinds of rules for your kids for sure. Like no phones at mealtimes no phones at, um, you know, don't bring them into the church when we go to mass. Don't, you know, don't bring your phone to bed at night. We have our kids charge their phones downstairs so we know that they're not staying up all night texting with their friends. Even if they're not doing something inappropriate, uh, it's really unhealthy for them to be up all night and have their sleep disturbed by, you know, texting in their beds with their friends. Or, you know, that first thing in the morning, they pick up their phone and they're immediately in communication or in texting or whatever it is they're doing. Um, so setting those kinds of limits, physical limits with regard to when they're on their phones. And guess what? 
This applies to us too. We need to be setting the example. Do you put your phone away? Do you put it away, like away, away during certain points in your day? Do you have times, uh, perhaps at the end of your day, definitely at mealtimes where you're not having your face in your phone? <laughs> Make sure you're setting a good example for that. I think it's so powerful and so important to kind of set those, those kinds of limits, just physically even. Like your phone is not here. You're not touching it. You're not scrolling on it. You're not handling it because it becomes such a kind of subconscious habit. So, you know, looking for ways that um, you can kind of set those very basic limits, even just out of etiquette. And that alone will really just limit the ways in which your, your kids are using their social media. And so along the lines of this, I want to encourage you, whatever social media you're allowing your kids to have access to, make sure you're talking to them about it. Ask them about it. Ask them, you know, what they're spending their time on. My husband, Dan, is great about this, uh, much to the kids' dismay, because if they're on their phone and it's okay that they're on their phone sometimes, um, he'll walk in the room and there'll be one of our kids there on the phone and be like, who are you talking to? What are you doing? What are you on? And, you know, the kid immediately is kind of snapped out of their little world on their phone and says, I'm on Instagram. I'm talking to so-and-so about the whatever. And um, I think that that's a really helpful thing to do. And um, as parents, that's our job. Find out where they are. Don't let them disappear into their own little worlds, even while they're sitting in your living room, right? That they're not actually present to you there. Remind them of your presence and also be checking in with them. Like, where are they spending their time? Are they on Snapchat all day? Um, are they constantly taking, you know, random photographs of themselves and their surroundings and sending it to their friends? Ask them why they do that. Ask them why they enjoy that. Because you know what? I'm actually genuinely curious when I ask my son um, about why he does that. And um, it's actually very interesting. Some of the ways that these kids, uh, it's they consider a normal way to communicate. Uh, it's so outside of my normal, um, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, right? I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but try to understand it. Try to understand what they value about it. Try to understand what they enjoy about it. Know the kinds of interactions that they're having, who they're having these interactions with. And, you know, and talk with them in general ways about social media. I had a really enlightening conversation with my daughter, Gabby, um, when she was getting on Instagram, maybe two years ago now. And I was asking her why she wanted to be on it. And it was all good reason. She wanted to connect with her friends. She loves photography and she wanted to share things and um, all really good. But then, you know, after she'd been on it a little while, I checked back in with her and, um, you know, we talked about some of the ways that some people that in her age group were using it that maybe weren't healthy. What are some of the ways I was asking her, you know, what are some of the photographs that people are posting of themselves? And um, why, why do you think they're posting that kind of photo of themselves? And what kind of reaction do you think they're looking for? And, um, you know, what, what does that bring out in other people? And, you know, having those kinds of conversations with your kids, this is soul forming stuff. This is what our job is as parents, to be talking to them about these things that are vitally important to them. You know, that's why this is such a big deal, because it's so important to them and it can become such a big part of their world. Well, step into their world a little bit. We may never feel very comfortable or welcome inside of that space on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever it is, but ask about it and maybe look at what kinds of things they're sharing on there and ask why they shared that particular thing. Also, you know, ask the meaning behind some of the things that you might see there. 
um, or ask them what kinds of things are people sharing on this social media and do you like it or do you not like it? Uh, are people ever mean? Do you ever see that? Has anyone ever been mean to you? Have you ever seen that? Have you seen people bully anybody in these areas? And you can have some really great conversations with your kids about that. Um, it was really enlightening for me to learn from Gabby way back then about what's called spam accounts on Instagram. I felt so old because I had no idea what that meant. And she was describing to me that kids have an Instagram. This is mostly girls, I think. That's their official Instagram. And maybe I'm not teaching you anything here. Maybe you're so much cooler than I am. But anyway, I'll share for some of the other old fogies who might be listening. Um, they have an official Instagram account where they put their really polished stuff, like their very best photos where they look great and you know great things going on in their lives. And then they have what's called a spam account. And they make that a private account usually and only allow people that they know to follow them there. And in their spam account, they just put everyday stuff. They might not look so great. It might be goofy, might be weird photos, might be, you know, just goofing around with their friends, stuff that they don't want for public cons consumption. And I had a really great conversation with Gabby about that. Like, isn't that interesting that people are kind of cultivating these images of themselves and kind of separating things out? Like this is professional me, you know, for like, uh, you know, 13 year old girl what? And this is, you know, spam me that I'm only going to let some people know about. Um, I don't know. I, I found it was really interesting. And I've gone on many times to talk with Gabby about things on Instagram. And, and this is one of the things that can come from your kids being on social media and you beginning their in interaction on social media with you being a part of the conversation. This is actually a really helpful thing. The, this is how you can kind of be a, an influence in their life inside of these places and they can feel comfortable sharing with you what might be going on there. And I find it's really helpful to talk with your kids about, and this in particular, I think is really eye-opening. What are some of the unwritten rules about this particular social media? What are the things that kids do not do here? What are the things that are expected of you to do here on this social media? And, and then kind of talk with them about what that means and how that makes them feel. And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, I'm not making value judgments about any of this. I mean, you know, in the end, whatever social media thing it is, whatever platform it is, it's a tool. And, you know, people can use it for bad or they can use it for good. But talk with them about what some of the, the social sphere is on some of these um, social media that they might be engaging in. And then finally, I want to encourage you to know and accept at the end of the day, all of the social media stuff, all of this online stuff, all of these rules you might make, all these different ways that you're going to try to control your kids' access to the good, the bad, and the ugly of the world. Final thing I want you to know is you're going to mess it up. You're going to mess it up. You can't control it perfectly. I've mentioned a few times, they are smart. They will get around our rules, whatever, however great our rules are and our limitations that we set. Kids are savvy and they will find a way around you. And I'm not saying you have bad kids and they're going to disobey you and they're going to look for ways to get around you, but this is part of human nature, okay? And I think it's helpful because, you know, we, we started out talking about the fear that sometimes we have about social media or kids online, that paralyzing fear we have as parents because we know there's such bad stuff out there and we just don't know how to protect our kids from it. But it can be very freeing to recognize, I can't do it. I cannot perfectly protect my kid from the world. 
I'm going to try my very best. I'm going to set reasonable limits and expectations, and I'm going to monitor things to the best of my ability. But then know know that you're going to mess it up and you can't do it perfectly. But then know also that God is bigger than all of that. It's not it's not going to be the end of the world. It can hurt a lot. Your kid can get hurt. And that's why these things are important to talk about. And it's important for us as parents to talk about setting these reasonable expectations and reasonable limits for the ways our kids are going to access these things. But know that sometimes you're going to not have protected them perfectly. And this is something that broke my heart so much, especially as a younger parent, just feeling like, especially with regard to, you know, when my kids were doing things online, I was allowing them more, you know, more privileges online, more access to the internet, and just knowing what's out there and feeling like my kids are going to get exposed to pornography. That feels terrible to even think that, right? Um, And that doesn't mean that every kid needs to get exposed to pornography. But what it means is it's a very real thing in our world. And at some point in our lives, pretty much every one of us bumps into it in some way, shape, or form. And in today's culture, it's more likely than ever that your kids will. So be aware of that. And I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about other negative things that might go on online, negative interactions on social media, um, being involved in conversations they shouldn't be, whatever it is. Um, know that you're going to mess it up, that you can't protect them perfectly. You can't lock them away in a closet. And that wouldn't be good parenting if you could anyway. You know, that you can't protect them perfectly. You're going to mess it up. But know that those times when you do mess it up, when they mess up, that God is there with you in that. God is there with you in that failure, whatever it looks like. And that failure is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to teach your child something. It's an opportunity to teach them, here's why that's wrong. Here's why I want to protect you from that. Here's what God's plan is. And this is where the world is getting it wrong. Here's why you're attracted to that thing that's bad for you. Here's why kids are doing that. Here's what you're really looking for, what you're really seeking when you're seeking these things online or in these apps or on social media that might be bad for you in any way, shape, or form, here's what you're actually longing for. Give them the gift of seeing things from God's perspective. Give them the gift of the beauty of Catholic teaching about the human experience and what we're made for. Not just teaching on marriage and sex. Of course, that's very relevant in today's culture, but not just that, just what we're made for as human beings. What what are we seeking when we're trying to get a bunch of likes on an Instagram post, right? Talk to them about that and see the ways in which you might fail, they might fail, they might disobey, you might mess up, they might mess up, the loophole they jumped right through in your parenting. See those as teaching moments, opportunities for you to have those very real conversations with them. And not only that, have those conversations with them about what's right, what's wrong, and why that is, and what God's plan is, but then also offer them the opportunity to learn from you during these formative years when they are home and under your roof and not yet 18 and going away on their own to college to figure it out for themselves. Use these years to have these conversations with them, especially inside of those moments where they might mess up. Give them the gift of knowing that everybody messes up sometimes. And here's what we do. Here's how we seek God's forgiveness. Here's how we use the sacrament of confession. 
Here's how we make things right again and begin again. Give them that gift of sacramental grace. Give them that gift of your good example of you doing that yourself when you mess up. Allow them to see the ways in which you're not perfect and the ways in which you're trying and the ways in which you're getting up and trying again even after you fail as a parent and because they see it anyway. Trust me, they see it anyway. They know us for who we are. So be open about that with them. Be honest about that with them. And instead of putting your head in the sand and trying to pretend that these things aren't going on, your kids aren't dealing with it, dive right in and own that inside of those conversations with your kids own that conversation about social media, about technology, about using smartphones, about pornography, about our culture's view of sex, about our culture's view of human relationships, and what God tells us is right and true and good in the face of that. Give them the gift of that truth. So those are just a few of my thoughts about social media. I knew I had a thing or two to say about it. But my main points here, just to recap, start with whether or not they're going to have that smartphone in the first place, how they're going to have it, what kind of access they're going to have on it, all of that. Have those conversations and know that you are the parent and you get to make that choice for them. You get to make that decision. You get to control that in appropriate ways. And then number two, have the conversation about social media, various apps. Know that you can outlaw certain apps if you don't think they're helpful for your kid. Um, number three, talk with them about social media, what, what they're doing on there, why it's important to them. And then finally, know you're going to mess it up and just embrace those teaching moments, not embracing the messing up, doing your very best and being diligent about it and doing the hard work and saying the hard thing, being the good example, but then knowing that none of us is perfect and there are going to be times when things fall short of what you want for your children and know that and accept it and see that God is there with you in that moment and then use that moment for the beautiful tool that it can be for growing in your relationship with your child and helping them to grow in their relationship with God. I am sure some of you have some ideas and thoughts and feelings and experiences with regard to teenagers and social media. I would love your input. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, I love to hear from you in any way that you want to connect, but my very favorite is you will record a voicemail and send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. Also, I want to mention our Facebook group. I mentioned it at the start because that's where this topic came from. But if you are not already a member of our private Facebook group, it's a closed group on Facebook. That means if your friends and family that you know on Facebook are not also a part of the Girlfriends Podcast Facebook group, they can't see what you're saying in there. They can't know what you're doing in there. It's private in that way. It's going to be just us. And you have to request to join. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. If you can't remember all of that, it's linked up in the show notes. Also, you can always just message me on Facebook. I have people do that all the time and say, hey, what's the girlfriends Facebook group again? I'd like to be a part of it. You do have to request it. So you need to either use that link or message me on Facebook. We want to get you connected there. We'd love to have you join that growing community of people who listen to the girlfriends podcast. And now we're going to be right back after this quick break. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, 
a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back. Now, I've got quite a bit of feedback, but I think I'm only going to share a very little bit because I'm kind of coming up on time here. Apparently, I had a lot to say about social media in the first part of the show. So I'm just going to share, first of all, um, this one little bit of feedback that I got from Marisa, who said, Hi, Danielle, I've been struggling to get back to healthy eating since my daughter was born and have been so reluctant to start any new regimen for fear of failure. About two weeks ago, I listened to your episode on confidence, and it was the inspiration I needed to make a pretty significant change that I was able to maintain over a holiday weekend vacation with my husband's family, a vacation chocolate full with opportunities to renege on my commitments. Thank you for blessing me with your encouragement, Marisa. So I want to thank you, Marisa, for that feedback. I really appreciate that um, that episode was helpful to you. And I think sometimes that's all any of us needs is for somebody else to tell us um, that we can do it. Don't you think? And that's part of what I really value about getting together here through the podcast, the different ways that we connect um, on social media through especially the Facebook group, but other ways through email when we connect with one another. I really value the ways that we're able to encourage and support each other because sometimes that's all I need is for somebody to say, "Um, you can do this. And it sounds like that's what you needed, Marisa, was kind of that little kick like, This is a goal that you had, but you were not starting, like you said, for fear of failure. And how many of us can relate to that? That is so normal, right? And yet you needed to get out of your own way and how great it feels when you make that first step and to know that you can do it and that you're strong enough to do it and you can set that goal and you can follow through and how amazing it feels to take that kind of control in your life. So congratulations to you, Marisa. It sounds great that you are making those positive changes in the ways that you're eating and the ways that you're taking care of yourself. So congratulations on that and know that I'll be praying for you to continue to be strong in that. And God bless you and that sweet little baby girl. Now I'll get to some of the other feedback next episode. I promise if you sent me some email, know that I'll be getting to yours in the next couple of episodes here. I really appreciate all the ways that you connect with me and ask your questions and share your feedback. So please keep that coming, Danielle at daniellebean.com. But before we have to wrap up today, I just want to mention a few places that I'm going to be. You know, I love to be able to meet up with you in person. So um, in Orlando, Florida, are you in Orlando, Florida? I would love to meet you. Saturday, November 16th, I'm going to be giving my You Are Enough retreat at Holy Family Catholic Church. That's going to be in Orlando, Florida, November 16th. Then here in New Hampshire, I'm going to be at St. Michael Church in Exeter, New Hampshire, January 11th, which is a Saturday. I'm going to be giving my You're Worth It retreat, which is based on women in the New Testament. Again, my You're Worth It retreat, Saturday, March 7th, 2020, at um, the Precious Blood Parish in Jasper, Indiana. Then I'm going to be a speaker at the Women's Conference in Norwich, Connecticut on Saturday, March 28th, 2020. 
If you are interested in bringing one of my retreats to your parish, to your community, to your women's group, you can go to daniellebean.com slash retreats to find out more about the You Are Enough and Your Worth It retreats, which are based on my two most recent books, which um, take a look at women in the New Testament in You Are Worth It and women in the Old Testament in You Are Enough and what we can learn about God's unique love for us as women, the unique mission that he calls us to as women, what we can learn from those biblical stories of women who lived so long ago, these things that we uniquely experience as women, um, some of the unique ways that we experience God's love, some of the unique ways that we struggle to experience God's love, to experience God's mercy, some of the ways we uniquely suffer as women. These are some of the themes that we share inside of these retreats. So if there isn't one that's coming near you and you're interested in finding out more about bringing me to your community, your parish, your women's group, again, go to daniellebean.com slash retreats to find out about that. Or if you're a part of an event that is bringing in speakers and you'd like to have me be a speaker at um, one of your events, I do that as well. So you can go to daniellebean.com slash speaking to find out more information about having me come out to your community and become a part of your event. I would love to be able to meet you in person. That's all the time we have for this week, but you know what to do if you enjoyed today's show why don't you share it? Share it with a friend. Tell somebody else about the Girlfriends podcast. Do them that favor. There's nothing more powerful than word of mouth for getting the word out about the community of girlfriends that we have here on the podcast. And mostly, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of today's show. Thank you for always listening. Thank you for tuning in. I am thrilled that you are a part of our community here at Girlfriends. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Thank you.